The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit harvestabq.org. Good morning, church. How are you today? Let me just tell you, I snuck into the IF gathering uh, just for a little while. It was amazing. Um, I will tell you that the women's uh, gathering was very different than the men's gathering. Um, it smelled better, for one. Their worship sounded better. Uh, the guys kind of sounded like dying goats. And the girls sounded like songbirds. It was beautiful. And the food was very different. The guys had ribs and barbecue and pizza and burgers and hot dogs. And the women had charcuterie boards, which I had to learn how to say that word um, just to tell you that today. Um, it, was, it was awesome, though, ladies. It was, I loved just seeing uh, what God was doing uh, through the IF gathering. and the, the team, the, I know Lisa had a big team that helped make that happen. Thank you for, uh, for doing that. It was just amazing. <clears throat> and then just real quick, because um, a bunch of you have been asking. My mom uh, had a hip replacement uh, a, a little over a week ago, and a lot of you have been asking how she's doing, and so, so she's doing really, really well, and I just wanted you to know that and just say that. She's watching today. I stopped by and saw her this morning, and she's like, I, I'll be watching from my recliner this morning, so she's watching. So thank you, though, for your support and your prayers uh, for that, and then I, I need to give you an update on this, and then I promise we'll get in today's message, but um, uh, three weeks ago was our last uh, message in the, in the series on prayer, uh, called Pray First. And in that, uh, in that last message, we had you put, uh, fill out some prayer cards. You remember that? And you, you brought them to the altar. And, and I told you, you know, our team will be praying for those. And, and of course, we had guest speakers the last two weeks. So I just haven't got to, uh, to update you on that. But I, I want you to know, if you filled one of those out, every single one of those have been prayed for, I'm talking multiple times. I mean, I, we're, I'm going through them. Uh, in fact, I went through yesterday. I had about an hour. Uh, Eden had, had a track practice. So I just took her there and I just sat in the truck and I went through those prayer cards and just have been agreeing with you in prayer. And, and there was a, a couple of things. It's, it's interesting. We've done this a few times and, and each time we've done it, there's, there's kind of, it's interesting to see some themes that kind of rise that you, you don't really, I'm not aware that, that so many might be in a similar situation. And so the two things that, that really came up and I just wanted to, I wanted to tell you this so you can be in prayer with us is that, that this time more than any other time, the word cancer was, was on, on mo- I mean, lots of cards. Like there's lots of people who are battling cancer. Maybe, maybe it was you that wrote that or a friend or a family member. And so I just want you to know if that's you uh, or someone that you know. And in fact, I'm excited. We're talking, we're starting a new series today talking about Jesus. And one of the things, I won't teach it today, but we believe that Jesus still heals. And, and we believe that Jesus is bigger than cancer. And we, we really do believe that. So I just want you to know if that's you, I've been praying for you. I I'm believing. I, I'm believing for miracles. I just I believe that miracles still happen today, and so we're praying for that. The other thing is that a lot of people wrote down that you're praying for friends or family members that don't know Jesus, and I, I love that that your heart is burdened uh, for those that are in your life that don't know Jesus. And so let me just let me just kind of challenge you that we have a 
a window from now, well, I mean, any time, but, but just this is what I feel. From now to Easter, I really believe there's a, a unique window uh, for, for those in your life that don't know Jesus. And I would encourage you, uh, I already said it, we're starting a series today literally about Jesus. We're just going to be talking about Jesus for weeks and weeks. It's going to be so much fun. This would be the perfect time to invite someone who doesn't know Jesus because we're just going to be talking about who he is, what he said, what he did, how he changes our lives. And so I'm just, I just encourage you, I'm praying with you, but um, you should also uh, be a witness to them and maybe invite them to, to join you in your life group or on a Sunday morning. And so I just wanted to tell you that today. We're starting a new series today and it's called He Gets Us, okay? He Gets Us. You might know this, you might not. There's a national campaign that's going on right now by the same title, um, He Gets Us. And, and just straight from the, their website, I'll just, I'll just read, the, this is right on their homepage uh, in case you don't know what it's about. It says this, He Gets Us is a movement to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible and his confounding love and forgiveness. We believe his words, example, and life have relevance in our lives today and offer hope for a better future. How many think that's a pretty good mission statement right there? I, I heard about this campaign um, somewhere around a year ago. I, I, I began to hear uh, that, it, that it was going to be happening, and I, I was intrigued. I, I didn't know a lot about it in the beginning, but I was intrigued that, that uh, there, was, there was a group of, uh, of, of I'll call them investors, who said, we're going we're gonna to put money into um, getting the name of Jesus out there and helping people learn about who Jesus is. And I, and I was intrigued. And so I knew that at the right time that I probably wanted to kind of jump into the conversation. I mean, I mean, the reality is this is what churches should be talking about, right? Jesus is quite literally the main character in the book that we read called the Bible. And so I thought we should do, we should talk about Jesus. But I'll just tell you, there's something that happened, and, and I probably should have expected it, but, but I, really, I really didn't expect it. And, and here's what it was. If you do like a Google search, search on He Gets Us, let me just tell you what you'll find is in addition to their website, you're going to find a whole bunch of Christian blogs against this campaign. And I was, I was just kind of shocked by this, but probably shouldn't be because here's why. Have you noticed how everything in the world today is divisive? Have you noticed that? I mean everything, right? Like Carlo, Carlos Whitaker uh, last week, did you enjoy Carlos being with us, by the way? That was fun, right? Carlos mentioned this in, in his message. I mean, every opinion seems to make people mad right now. I mean, the low-hanging fruit is politics, right? I mean, you talk about anything in politics, and, and immediately it just divides. You got one side versus the other side. Religious, you know, uh, conversations. Here in New Mexico, you talk about green chili, and ooh, man, divisive, right? I mean, you like it, you don't like it, whatever, you're green or red, whatever. You know, Carlos joked last week, he said, I, I, I put some on Instagram about bacon, and, and people were unfollowing me because, because I mean, it's everything is divisive. Last week, uh, after the service, Carlos and I um, and uh, my buddy Derek, we, we drove up, up north to uh, Farmington area because we were going to fish the San Juan River on Monday morning. I had promised Carlos, come to, come to men's conference, come to harvest, and I will take you fishing. That's how I got him here. That was, that was my bait, all right? I got, I got him here. And so we drove up there, and, and we got checked in. We had dinner. We had this little cabin, and, and y'all, we were just geeking out on fly fishing. I just got to tell you, we had all our gear spread out. 
and we're talking about techniques and have you ever tried this and what river do you fish and what size is your rod and what do you do? I mean, have you ever t- do you tie this fly? We're, your, your eyes are glazing over. We were, we were geeking out, all right? We were geeking out. And I, I, just had, I, I, I asked him, I said, Carlos, have you ever tried the technique called pegging an egg? And he's like, no. And man, I, oh, I've got to teach you this, Carlos. So next thing you know, I got stuff laid out on the table. I'm like, you do this and you do this and you do this. And I'm showing him how to do it. He's like, I've never seen this before. I'm like, dude, this is a game changer. In fact, I'm going to rig your rod up with this for tomorrow. You're going to thank me. So I'm rigging his rod up for him and I'm getting all excited. So the next day, we show up, we have, we have a guide, his name is Red, okay? By the way, if you ever have a fishing guide and his name is a color, it's going to be a good day. You just, you just need to know that, all right? Like that dude was born to be a fishing guide. And so we get in the boat with Red, and he stows our rods in, in a little rod holder, and he has his own rods that he had already rigged up. And so he said, if you boys don't mind, I'm going to just use the rods I rigged up because I know how these fish are and I know what they eat. And I'm like, ah, whatever, go ahead. So we get in, and we're fishing. And Carlos is in the front of the boat. I'm in the back of the boat. Guide's in the middle. He's rowing the little boat. He's telling us what to do. And we're fishing. And while we're fishing, all of a sudden, he just goes, you boys know what I hate? I hate people that peg eggs. Carlos turned around. He looked at me, kind of made a face. Guide can't see me. I'm like, my rod's right there with a pegged egg. You don't know what a pegged egg is. It doesn't even matter. It's right there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm on Red's boat. He hates pegged eggs. I'm like this to Carlos, don't say anything, right? And it shocked me that on a fly fishing trip, I met someone that, I mean, it was just divisive. Like literally, middle of the day, I just cut it off. I put him, I'm like, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not arguing with, Rod, with Red. I'm not gonna, I just, I'm just like, I'm done with this, right? Everything is divisive, everything. It's just crazy. Everyone has an opinion on everything. And, and everyone seems to think that you want to know their opinion about everything. Have you noticed this? But, but here, here's the deal. Those things have actually been true for a long time. Here's what I think has changed in recent times, is that we now value our opinion more than the person that we're sharing it with. The opinion is, is more important than the relationship. Than the, I mean, y'all, right, we have families that are at odds right now over, over all kinds. I, I don't even want to say the words because it'll be divisive, right? We have, we, have, we have friendships that have ended in the last couple of years. We, we've had, everything is divisive. So just know this. I know that if we're starting a message series about Jesus, it will probably be divisive as well. But one of my opinions is that Jesus is one of the most divisive people ever to walk the planet. Jesus showed up and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. That, that's kind of divisive. What he said is, there's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to get to God. There's nothing, there's no other way. That alone, that alone was a little bit, not a little bit, was a lot bit divisive. And so today, I'm just really excited. We're going to start talking about Jesus. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this campaign, because the campaign's been a little bit divisive. There's at least two really good outcomes that I've seen, um, and it's this. See if you agree that these are good outcomes, is that, number one, there's a lot of people that are talking about Jesus. Some of you would agree that's a good thing, if people are talking about Jesus. And then number two, there's, there's a lot more people that are reading the Bible, because they're trying to learn about this guy, Jesus. Would you agree? 
agree. That's a good thing. More people talking about Jesus, more people reading the Bible. This, this campaign actually included, I don't know if you saw them or not, but it included two Super Bowl commercials, which this is, this is monumental. Uh, uh, there's a lot of history in, to, in this and why this is a big deal. And, and uh, religious commercials have ne- had never been allowed before. And so it's, it's a big deal how they got to this place. A hundred million people were watching the Super Bowl. And, and you guys know this, um, they all watch the commercials, right? And they may not watch the game. You know, we were at a Super Bowl party, and as soon as commercials started, it's like, shh, we don't watch commercials, right? A hundred million people saw two Super Bowl commercials about Jesus. Now, I got some stats for you. Um, following the Super Bowl, they, they had some things built in where you could live chat, you could text, you could, you could interact. Uh, when that commercial played, you could kind of start a, a, a conversation. The week following the Super Bowl, 974 live chats took place. Uh, 450 prayer requests were turned in, and 150,596 texts were sent in through the He Gets Us campaign. What I'm saying is, people are talking about Jesus. People are looking in the Bible. And, and so I just felt like there was some, some momentum that maybe as a church we should kind of jump into and discover who Jesus really is. I'll tell you as well, um, some, many of you are already on a Bible reading plan, um, and that's awesome. I'm not trying to change what you're on. But if you're looking for one in the Version app, there's some uh, He Gets Us Bible reading plans. And what I love, there's actually five of them, and they're seven days. They're all five. So it's five weeks uh, of just learning about Jesus. I just finished week one. I'll be on week two this week if you want to join me. And so you can, you can check, uh, check that out. Before the Super Bowl, 50,000 people were watching uh, or were participating in one of the Bible reading apps. Post-Super Bowl, 169,000 people have jumped in on one of those Bible reading plans. I, y'all, I'm so excited that people are talking about Jesus. Now, let me just be ultra clear, all right? This series isn't about the right or the left. It's about the gospel, all right? You just need to know this. It's about the gospel. The gospel literally means the good news about Jesus. This is about Jesus. I'm so so excited to talk about Jesus. Uh, Lisa and I went, I think it was two weeks ago, we we got to go to a special screening of a movie that's out right now called Jesus Revolution. Uh, it's about the Jesus movement that happened in the 70s, and, and it's just, it's, an, it's incredible. I, uh, I cried during the movie, and when the movie ended, I looked at Lisa and I said, I don't know, something is stirring in my heart. I'm so excited to just talk about Jesus. I'm, I'm excited for what I believe is coming to uh, our city and to our church, a, a move of God uh, unlike we've ever seen before, and I'm just, I'm really, really excited about this. And so um, let, me, let me just read, let me read a passage to you, and then I'm going to ask you to pray with me, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus. By the way, we sang this morning, I don't know if you, I caught it because I knew what I was preaching on, we sang these words, Jesus, you change everything. How many of you believe that? Jesus, you change everything. Now, you might be here today, and you might be like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, why, why would you say that? Why would you say that Jesus changes everything? And if that's you, I'm really glad that you're here, because I think I'm going to be able to help you to see what I see in the Bible. So Matthew chapter 16, this is where we're going to start today. Matthew chapter 16, verse 30. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, pay attention to this question, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist. If you don't know John the Baptist, he's an important character in the Bible. Uh, another one, he, they say, others say Elijah, another very important character in the Bible. Others might say Jeremiah. He was one of the major prophets or one of the other prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, you didn't come to this conclusion on your own, in your own thinking, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to, to just pause with me. We do this every week for about 20 seconds, and we're going to pray. And the purpose of this prayer is to ask the Lord, will you speak to me today through your word? Will you, will you help me to have an understanding that maybe I didn't have before I came here? And, and, and let me just tell you, this passage that we just read, um, it, it had this phrase. Jesus looked at his disciples, and he said, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by a revelation from my Father in heaven. And my prayer for you today is that today, every single person here, whether you don't know Jesus or you just got to know Jesus or you've known him for a really long time, that today you would have a fresh revelation from God himself about his son Jesus and all that he has to offer to you today. So how many of you would pray a prayer with me that would just say, I'm listening, I'm opening my heart. All right, let's do that right now. Lord, thank you for your word. It's living, it's active, it's powerful, and as we open it up today, we're, we're just tuning in right now. We're listening with, with our whole selves. We're listening with our ears, but we're listening with our hearts. We're, we're, we're just tuned in, and we're asking you today to give us a fresh revelation about Jesus. Change our lives today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Here's a question that Jesus asked his disciples there in Matthew 16. He said, who do people say that I am? And then he asked them, who do you say that I am? Um, real quick, uh, raise your hand if you are a disciple of Jesus. Just real quick, you're a, a disciple. See, sometimes we read passages about disciples, and we only think about the 12 disciples that walked with Jesus. But you're a disciple, and so, so I want you to think about this, this question today. It, it's directly to you. Who do people say, okay, so who does your coworkers say Jesus is? Who does your neighbors say Jesus is? Who does your family say Jesus is? But then after that, he looked him square in the eye and he said, hey, disciple, who do you say that I am? And this is, this is a big deal. I mean, how we answer this question is a really big deal. Listen, the, the way we answer this question, it has immediate implications that dictate how we live our lives right now. The, the, the way we answer this dictates the, the way, the decisions, the, 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 the things that we do in our lives right here, right now. But it also has eternal implications on what happens when we die. And let me just tell you, if you don't know this, the only thing that is guaranteed in this life is that you are going to die. <laughs> it's, the only, it's really one of the only things that's guaranteed. And how you answer this question, because remember Jesus, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me, is through the Son. So how we answer this question has eternal implications for what happens to us when we die. So let me go back to this first question. Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say 
The Son of Man is. Okay? Who do people say the Son of Man is? Uh, notice that Jesus didn't use his name, right? He didn't say, hey guys, who do people say Jesus is? Right? He didn't say, who do people say I am? Right? He didn't, he didn't do first person. He said, who do people say the Son of Man is? And, and I'll just be honest, I've read this passage a whole bunch of times, but, but recently I was reading this and I thought, why did Jesus ask it in that way? Like, what, what was the purpose of this? And so I began to kind of explore, and I want to I share this with you today. The most common name for Jesus in the Bible, if you kind of read through the Gospels, what you'll find most people calling Jesus is Christ or Messiah. That's, that's most often what we see as we read through the Gospels. Like in, John, uh, like in Luke chapter, or John chapter 1, verse 41, Andrew, the one of the disciples, the, it's his first encounter with Jesus. He discovers Jesus. He runs as fast as he can, and he finds his brother. And it says this in, in John 1, 41, the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. We have found the Christ. But Jesus almost never used that title for himself. He, he, he didn't walk around going, hey, Christ is here, right? Hey, hey, hey guys, hi, I'm Christ, right? He, he didn't use that title for himself, but what we most often see Jesus refer to himself as is this title that we see in Matthew, Son of Man, and knowing what this title means, this name means, is it's super important to understanding who Jesus is. This name actually comes first from another book. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's the book of Daniel. Okay, it's the book of Daniel. I'm going I'm to go to Daniel in just a second, and uh, I, I'm excited about this because Daniel is a it's a fairly complicated book. It's, it's got a lot of prophecy in it. It's got some, you'll see in a second, Daniel has some dreams and, and the interpretations there. It's, it's a little bit of a wild book. But Son of Man actually originates in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, and I'll give you some context and then we'll read a little bit. Daniel 7, uh, Daniel is both the name of the book and the name of the guy in the book, okay? And Daniel is a, a prisoner of war. He's an Israelite who's been taken captive. Captive, and he's being forced to live in a city, and you need to pay attention because this is going to go full circle back. So, so I'm trying to help you with this. He's living as a slave in a city called Babylon. Everyone say Babylon for me. Okay, because you're going to remember that here in a little while. He's living as a slave in the city of Babylon, and this had to be awful. He's, he's living under the oppression of the king who destroyed his home, who destroyed his city, who killed his people, like, like all of the, in other words, this is not a great place for him to live. And while he's in Babylon, he has some crazy prophetic dreams. Do any of you ever have crazy dreams? Any of y'all? How many of you remember your dreams when you wake up? And, and some of you are like, eh, some of the time. And others are like, I never remember. I had, what's funny, and I just realized it, is I had a crazy dream last night. I, I really, I won't tell you the whole thing, but I was on an airplane. They had to ground the plane. We all had to get off the plane. All kinds of things are happening. I don't know. Anyway, Daniel has a crazy dream in Daniel chapter 7, okay, and let me, let, me, let, me show, let me show you, okay, there are four beasts that are crawling out of a dark, tumultuous sea, that's Daniel's dream, there's this dark sea, and there's four beasts that are coming out, and each one gets a little stranger than the last, okay, let me, let me show you, Daniel 7 verse 4, here's beast number 1, 
The first was like a lion. It had the wings of an eagle, and I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. Can we agree that's a little strange, right? Not too strange, though. It's a lion walking around, had wings, fell off, walking around, has the mind of a human, so he's probably talking. Okay, it's, it's, it's weird. It gets weirder. Just hold on. Next verse. And there before me was the second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. So we're starting to see these really weird beasts who are, who are, are literally, like, they're, they're, they're eating, they're fighting, they're tearing into things. Like, there's, there's some destruction that's starting to happen The next beast, verse 6, after that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird, and this beast had four heads. So we have a four-headed, four-winged leopard, okay? And it was given authority to rule, okay? So it had authority in the earth that this leopard was in, okay? And then here's the, here's the weirdest one, verse seven. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying, frightening, and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot everything that was left. It was different from the former beast, and it had 10 horns. Can we say strange? It's getting strange, right? This is the dream that, that David or, or that Daniel is having. And just notice that in the wake of all of these, these beasts is a path of destruction. So Daniel is left to wonder, as you might if you had this dream, what in the world does this mean, right? Did I, did I eat pizza too late, right? Or is this a God dream? That, that's a good question to ask, right? It, 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 is there something going on? Am I just like unsettled and I, I just had a weird dream? Or God, are you trying to get my attention? And Daniel, he, he did that. He's, he's like, God, are you trying to get my attention? And he goes to the Lord and he asks the Lord for an interpretation. In verse 17, it makes it really clear. It says, the four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. So it's this picture that God is giving to Daniel of these four wicked kings that are going to rule the earth, and there's going to be a path of destruction in their wake. It's a very, very clear picture. And now we're beginning to get a clear picture of a really important biblical theme. Okay, here it is. Humans are remarkable creatures. Have you, have you realized that, how remarkable humans can be? I mean, it's so amazing to look around and to see what humans are capable of. But here's one of the things that separates us from the beasts. One of the things that makes us remarkable is that we have the ability to choose to do both good and evil. That's one of the things that's different, right? Is that we have the ability to do good and evil. Um, my, my dog, his name is Cooper. I should say our dog, his name is Cooper. Um, Cooper has a hard time discerning good from evil. Does anyone else have a pet like this? So we have to help him to learn how to discern between good and evil. And lately, Cooper has developed a really, really bad habit. Do you want to know what it is? If we leave our pantry cracked open... He goes in 
and he takes all of our chips and all of our crackers and he takes them to the backyard into a specific corner where he doesn't think we'll see him and he devours them. The other day I came home, the pantry was open, I said this isn't good, the bottom shelf of chips is empty, I walked to the backyard, 10 bags, empty, 10 empty bags of chips and crackers. That he's, a, he's a chip person, you know, dog, he's a chip dog, he likes chips. He's also a sensitive soul, okay? So I gathered up the bags and I walked in and I just, I didn't even have to raise my voice, I said, Cooper, and I'm holding bags and he went, look at me, Cooper. Cooper, what is this? Do you know anything about this? And he just kept cowering and cowering. And so I have to help him to understand, Cooper, this is evil. (laughs) So I sat down on the floor. I took his face in my hands and I said, Cooper, because you ate the chips, Ava and Eden will not have any food for lunch this week. Your sisters are going to starve because you were selfish, Cooper. I cannot believe that you did this. Animals, they don't have the ability to discern right from wrong. But you and I do. You and I have the ability to choose between good and evil. And I'll just use this analogy from Daniel and his dream about the beasts. Is that sometimes humans act like beasts, That's one of the themes in the Bible, (laughs) is that sometimes we give in to the desires of our flesh, and we choose to go down a path that we know is evil, that we know we shouldn't do, that we know goes against God's word. Think think about Genesis, the the very first book of the Bible. Uh, The humans are created, the animals are created, but it says this, it says in Genesis 1, 26, God said, let us make mankind in our image. In other words, he said, this is different than the animals. I'm going to put the image of God into mankind. And by doing that, this is so exciting, humans were invited into relationship with God. We were invited to be his representatives on the earth. And and if you read in Genesis, what you'll see is that God gives Adam and Eve authority on the earth. He invites them. He says, hey, I want you to name all of the animals. I want you to rule. In fact, he says, rule and subdue the earth. But, But it's supposed to happen in partnership with God. Now, you might know how this story goes, but the humans in Genesis, Adam and Eve, they end up being deceived by a beast, actually by a, by a serpent, right? Serpent comes, and, and, and the lie of the serpent is that, hey, Adam, Eve, you don't just have to be in partnership with God. You can actually rule the earth on your own terms, You can rule the earth however you see fit. You don't have to consult him. You don't have to ask for anything. You get to make decisions. And Adam and Eve said, that sounds pretty dang good. And so they gave in to the lie of the beast. And because of that, Adam and Eve end up being expelled from the garden to go and to live in the land of the beast, but without God, without the partnership of God. But there's a promise when this happens, because that's a, that's a really sad part of the Bible. <laughs> that's when sin is introduced into the world. 
And we still have a sin problem in the world today. This, this is, that, that traces all the way back to Genesis. But there's a promise that happens. When, when God expels them from the garden, he talks to Adam and Eve, and he talks to the serpent. And when he's talking to the serpent in Genesis 3.15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between, between Satan and mankind, and between your offspring and hers. Okay, So, so you have to see this promise. He's saying, I, I, for, for the rest of eternity, Satan is going to be against mankind, okay? And he says, and I'm going to put enmity between the offspring of Eve and Adam and Satan, okay? But here's where the promise becomes, because you got to think about this. Adam and Eve had a kid, who had a kid, who had a kid, who had a kid, and somewhere along the line, we're, we're, we're getting back to Jesus in just a minute, I promise. I, I told you we're talking about Jesus. Somewhere along the line, Jesus was born through a human named Mary, we don't, we don't just teach that at Christmas. We teach it a few other times. In other words, Jesus is, one of the, is an offspring that's, that's being referenced here when God says, Hey, Satan, there's going to be enmity between you and the offspring of Eve. And then watch this. This is the last part. It, My offspring, he says, is going to crush your head and you will strike his heel. In other words, this, this, is a, this is a remarkable verse. Like, I don't even think you, you understand how amazing this verse is. This verse is, is sometimes referred to as the proto-evangelium because it literally means this is the first gospel. Genesis 3, verse 15, is the very first time that the Bible predicts a Savior, he says, he says, there's going to be someone who comes, and he's going to crush the head of the beast. And while that's happening, the, the beast is going to strike the heel of that person. Of course, you know this. That person that he's referring to is Jesus. This is the first promise that there's going to be a human that's going to be born that is not going to give in to the beast but as he's defeating the beast, his heel will be struck himself. He's, he's foreshadowing the crucifixion of Jesus. That Satan is going to strike, and it's going to look, it's going to look like that human has been defeated. But in that moment, that human, whose name is Jesus, is going to defeat the beast once and for all. Isn't this amazing? So after this, after, after Genesis 3. We keep seeing story after story after story of people who give in to the beast. People who give in to the sin nature. Story after story, we see lying and murder and coveting and cheating and on and on and on. Man after man and woman after woman give in to the, the sinful nature. I mean, the very next story. So we have the proto-evangelium, the first you know, mention of a savior in Genesis 3. And then in Genesis chapter 4, the very next one, we have two brothers, Cain and Abel. Do you know about Cain and Abel? Cain, I don't have time to tell you the story, but they're the first, but first sibling rivalry. How many of you have siblings? Anyone have siblings? How many of you have ever not got along with a sibling? Yeah, right? First sibling rivalry. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands for this next one, but theirs did not go well, Cain and Abel. And not only do we have the first sibling rivalry, we have the first murder, okay? Hopefully none of you have murdered a sibling, okay? I'm not going to have you raise your hands, okay? Story after story. This is the next story. 
of a man giving in to the beast, of a man getting angry and doing something that he shouldn't do, of a man going after the desires of his flesh. And what's interesting about this one is after this, Cain, his children, spread out, and they keep living like beasts. <laughs> they all, <laughs> this is what happens when you raise kids like animals, is they keep acting like animals, and then they have kids that act like animals. That's what happened. Cain's kids, they spread out, and they're all acting like animals, and they end up, it's going to come full circle, I promise you, they end up founding a city that was based on living like animals. And the name of this city is Babylon. Are you seeing this? And in this city, we now come to Daniel. And he's lying in that city as a prisoner of war. And he's having this crazy dream. So he has this dream. There's these four crazy animals that come up. It's representative of the four kings that are going to rule the earth. He asks for the interpretation. But the dream doesn't stop. As the dream continues, Daniel sees a courtroom. And God the Father is sitting on the throne. And in his dream, it says this, I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown in to the blazing fire. Woo! Wouldn't that be a great place to end the dream? Right? These four beasts come up. God's on his throne. He wipes them out. He throws them into the fire. Right? Like that's when you want to wake up in your dream. Right? Good overcomes evil. God destroys Satan. But this is not where the dream ends. It continues. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. I told you this title that we saw in Matthew goes all the way back to Daniel. Now we're there. Okay, are, are you catching this? So now we're in Daniel 7. And Daniel says, I looked, I saw the father, he destroyed the enemy, but I saw another, and he was like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days, that's his father, God, sitting on the throne, was led into his presence. He was given, Jesus was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is the first time that we see this title, Son of Man. Now, Son of Man simply means human. It says, I saw a human, a son of a man, right? I saw a human that, that went to the throne of God. But you have to notice that Daniel also says that all nations and peoples of every language worshiped this man, which means he's not just a normal man, but is a, he is a God man. He is a divine human, which by the way, this is what sets the gospel apart from every other belief system. God looked down on the earth and he saw that we needed help. And he chose to send his son to come to the earth, to walk this earth, to live with us, to experience what we experience, to then go to the cross and to die. The only human who's ever died without spot or wrinkle is what the scripture says, meaning he never sinned. 
He never made a mistake. He never did anything wrong. So he was the spotless lamb of God who could die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. This, there's no other belief system that has anything even close to this. There's nothing like this. There's nothing that compares to this. That the Son of God would come and for a period of time would walk the earth as a, as a man, <laughs> would feel the emotions that we feel, would feel the temptations that we feel, would, would understand the desires that, that you and I have. He, 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 in other words, he gets us, right? He gets us. He understands what it's like to be on the earth. So now it makes sense that when Jesus shows up in Matthew, that he says, who the people say the Son of Man is. You know what Jesus is doing? He's relating. He, the human, he's relating human to human, right? He's saying, who do people say that, that this God-man that came into your, who do they say that I am? And with this title, you know what he's doing? He's making a bold claim. He's making a claim that there is a human that has showed up to confront the beast. Isn't that good news? He's saying, he's saying, the Son of Man came to confront the beast that has been a problem in this world for a really, really long time. And the good news is, I don't have time to, he did it. He defeated the beast. And so we see Jesus on the earth. He, he was here on the earth for about 33 years. And during those years, here's what we see, is that Jesus overcomes the beast and he, he helps other people overcome the beast. <laughs> he, he teaches people, that this is what the gospels are, is he teaches people how to be free from the beast. He teaches people how to, how to not be ruled by the beast. And this is how he did it. How do you overcome the beast? How do you, over, how do you overcome Satan? How do you overcome the, the desires of the flesh? Well, Jesus did it by giving up his life. Jesus did it by by becoming the sacrifice, by, by giving him of, of himself so that you and I could have freedom. And while Jesus is on trial, you might remember this, he's taken in and these accusations are made and, and he's on trial. And while he's on trial, he says this. These are Jesus' words, Matthew 26, 64. He says, from now on, and he uses the same term, you will see the Son of Man. It says, from now on you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. This, this is what Jesus says while he's on trial. I mean, just before he goes to the cross, just before he goes to do that, he makes this prediction. He says, from now on you're going to see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of my Father right, coming in on the clouds. Jesus is the first human ever to defeat the beast. And this gave him the authority to rule the world with his father. This gave him the power to, to, to oversee the world <laughs> along with his father. And think about this. How does Jesus, sitting at the right hand of the father, how does he rule the world? How does he oversee? How does he oversee what's happening in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in March of 2023, while he's also looking at every other corner of the world simultaneously. How does he do it? I'll, I'll tell you how. Is that he's chosen to go back into partnership with mankind. 
This, this is an amazing thing because in Genesis, man broke that partnership when man took part of sin, when man believed the lie of the beast. But now Jesus comes along and he says, guys, I still want to partner with you. I want you, church, to be a part of bringing my kingdom into places where it's not yet been. I want you to be part of bringing my kingdom into Albuquerque, bringing my kingdom into your workplace or into your neighborhood or into your family. Into, he says, I want to I partner with you. And in that, Jesus says, I'm going to extend to you my life my power, my authority, right? Like, like that, that's honestly what makes the church so powerful is not that we have good musicians, that we do cool events, right? That we have coffee on Sunday mornings. I mean, whatever, right? Whatever gets you excited. What really makes the church powerful is that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father and he says, hey, Harvest, I want to work with you to bring my hope into Albuquerque. I want to work with you because you have coworkers that need what the gospel has. I want to work with you to lay hands on the sick and declare that cancer is healed. And then guess what? He says, you don't have to heal it. You just have to ask me and I'll be the one that takes care of it. Because when I went to the cross, I already defeated, I already defeated sickness. He says, I want to partner with you. But then what, what's so magnificent is not just that he wants to partner with us, but that he understands us. <laughs> that he came to the world. Guys, listen. Anything that you've ever gone through, Jesus did too. He did too. How many of you have ever been betrayed by someone? Right? Jesus was too. Right? Someone's taken advantage of you. Jesus was too. Someone's talked bad about you. Jesus was too. You've been tempted. Jesus was too. Do you, do you remember in the desert when, the, when Satan came and he, he tempted him three times, right? Not once, not three times. Jesus gets it. He understands what you are facing on, a, on an everyday basis. And you're invited into partnership. Let me read two, two more verses. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. This is about the partnership with God that we have. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then I love this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that, that just means anyone who has surrendered their life to Christ. It's, it's this idea, your life and Christ's life, they merge, they, they become one. It's like, a, this is why so often in the scripture there's, there, there's these analogies to, to the church and to living in Christ as a marriage, right? Is that when a, when a husband and a, and a wife, when they join in matrimony, right, they become one. Now, frankly, that process can be hard, becoming one, right? It can take a long time. Right? But you become one. You stay married long enough, you start answering just, you, you, bec you become one another, right? Lisa will sometimes say, man, you're rubbing off on me. Like, God, it took long enough, you know? And I say, I'm glad you rubbed off on me. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are glad. I, I'm better. We be became one, right? And this is the idea, is that, that if anyone is in Christ, 
right? This is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. The new creation has come. The old has gone. I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that old Jason is gone. Y'all would not have liked old Jason, I'm just telling you. Lisa really didn't like old Jason. The old has gone. The new has come. It's my favorite part of the gospel. The ability to change. No matter what you are today, because of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, he can come into your life. And we sang it earlier, Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. Which brings me to this conclusion, he, he really does get us. And that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. From now to Easter, we're going to talk about the amazing Jesus. Who he is, what he said, what he does, and how he changes our life. Why don't you stand with me for just a moment. Stand with me. Worship team's going to lead us in one final song. But here, here's, the, here, here's the moment of reflection. Okay, here's the moment. Here's, here's what I want you to do as this, this final song is being sung. I want to go back to this idea that Jesus came, he defeated the beast, and now his desire is to help you to defeat the beast in your life. I've really enjoyed this week kind of using that analogy, the beast, right? I've, usually I would just use Satan or sin, but I like this idea, beast, because you know this verse, the scripture says that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That, that's beast-like, right? He sees the chips on the bottom shelf and just, I'm a beast, right? I just, I don't ask anyone. I just, I just destroy. I'm carnage. You know, chip package everywhere. That's, that is the enemy for you. He comes to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy you. To destroy your marriage, to destroy your life, to destroy your kids, to destroy your finances, to, de to destroy you. But Jesus came. He said, I understand the beast because I walked the earth. And I know what he's up to and I know his plans. And I'm back in heaven. And I'm at the right hand of the Father and I'm ready to help you to overcome the beast. I just felt so strongly that in these final moments that some of you would, would just would instantly say in your own heart, like, yeah, there's a part of my life where I've been fighting the beast and I'm losing. <laughs> and I'm ready to invite this guy, Jesus, to come into partnership with me and to help me to overcome the beast. And I just want to announce over you today, you can be free. You can be free. You don't have to live a life a slave to sin. You don't have to live this poor, mediocre, ho-hum life. Jesus came so that you could be free. I don't know about you, I'm more in love with Jesus than when I started this message. <laughs> I hope that you are too. That's really my goal. My goal, this whole series, is that week after week after week, that you will fall more in love with Jesus. So worship team, they're going to lead us. And would you, would you do a moment of reflection? And would, you, would you allow the Holy Spirit to evaluate what's going on in your life? And if there's an area where you say, man, I need, I need Jesus to come into my life and to help me to overcome in this area, just don't worry because I'm going to come back up. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I believe Jesus is going to do exactly that. Are you ready?
All right, worship team, will you lead us for just a minute? Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.